Hey there, Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Welcome to this new year of episodes. And let me ask you a question. You've probably heard of buying and renting out commercial properties. Well, today's guest, our old friend, Agostino Pintas, who I've interviewed a couple of times before, is going to be sharing with us all about net lease investing. So, Augustino, great to see you again, my friend. How are you doing? Man, I'm awesome. Thanks for inviting me back. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Well, it's always a pleasure as well. And Augustino is a very, very sharp real estate entrepreneur. He's been in the field for over two decades. He's done all sorts of stuff. Last time we interviewed him, we were talking about him buying a Rockefeller building in Cleveland. That's where he's at right now. He's got the Bulletproof Cash Flow podcast. He's a going concern. He was just showing me some, some new build construction that he is working on as well. Exciting stuff. Very, very active real estate investor. But Augustino, today we're going to really, really focus on this whole net lease investing side of things that you're that you're really getting into at this time under these economic circumstances. So job number one is for folks who aren't familiar with what net lease investing means, what does that mean to you? So basically, net lease is the stuff that we focus on anyways, corporate-backed commercial property. Corporate-backed commercial property. So what is an example of that that we can all just get our head around? So Dollar General, this thing of a single freestanding Dollar General or a Dollar Tree or an advanced auto parts or a CVS or a Walgreens. These types of stores, or even a Walmart for that matter, giant, that's a big box, right? But it's still the same sort of scenario, right? Yeah, the so great- basically it's it's one of these commercial businesses, like a dollar store is a great example. It's not necessarily part of a strip mall. It's a standalone property. Is that correct? Perhaps correct. Or, or its own parking lot or what have you. Yeah, exactly. It could be part of a strip mall. We don't focus on that. We want a single tenant asset because we know that those tenants prefer those types of deals as well. They want to have their own, their own building typically. So like advanced auto parts, typically they have their own building. They don't usually like doing the whole share space model. Right. Mm-hmm. And plus it also gives us more control over the real estate too. So it's- So, so are, are you buying these as existing- properties that already have these kind of tenants in them? Or are you building them from the ground up for this kind of a tenant? How does that typically work? Uh, no, the good question. So we actually have a, have a, have a blind pool fund. So mm-hmm. we, when we go and raise capital, same way we have done in the past, it's basically a blind pool fund. It's sort of like syndication, same concept. We take this cash. And then what we do is we go and purchase a bunch of these existing assets already in place. They're already built. There's already a lease in place. But what we're doing is we're buying the land, the real estate, or rather the, the improvement, the building, and the lease itself, right? And these leases are all corporate-backed, guaranteed leases. So if you think about it, if you have five or six or 10 of these different stores, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, you have an advanced auto parts, you have a DeVita, dialysis center, you have all these different companies, and they're all promising you that they're going to pay the rent every single month for the investors in these type of deals. As you, as you can imagine, it's very, very nice to receive a monthly check that comes in. It's beautiful, right? Certainly, it's a risk-adjusted return. It's not multifamily. It's not development. It's a different type of deal. Mm-hmm. However, that corporate guarantee allows you to sleep at night knowing that you have regular income coming in 
And you still own the real estate. You still get all the depreciation. You still get all that fun stuff that really comes with owning real estate itself. So it really is a great deal, considering especially where we are in the economic cycle. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that you're you're buying the the property. You're also buying you're you're also buying the improvement on the property and you're buying the lease, correct? Correct. Yep. Perfect. All right, Augustino. So what you're talking about here is is you're buying the property, you're buying the improvement on the property. And you're buying the lease that goes along with that. So it makes a very, it's not one of these kind of investments where you're looking for a big uplift. You're not going to be doing massive improvements on the property. It's it's a nice, stable, safe, secure kind of investment for you and your investor partners. Is that is that what I'm understanding here? That's exactly it. You know, yeah. so usually people might have heard the term floating around like triple net lease or net yeah. lease or whatever. That's exactly what this is. It's there's an upside and a downside, right? When it comes to multifamily, for instance, when you buy a B or a C class asset, you go in, you make the property better, you turn a bunch of units, you increase the rents. Yeah, maybe you can negotiate a lower tax bill if you have a good attorney. There's a variety of different levers you can pull on a multifamily deal. On a net lease deal, on the other hand, first off, if it says triple net, it doesn't always mean triple net. What really matters is understanding what it says inside the lease. The lease mm. tells you everything. Who's responsible for what? Right. So when we buy our assets, when we buy these types of properties, we have to take a granular look at what are we responsible for? What's the tenant responsible for? How much money do we set aside in case we have to fix a roof or do Mm -hmm. other type of maintenance that is not normal? Right. So there's a great deal of effort involved there. But the cool thing is, is that the responsibility typically for a landlord is very, very limited. Right. And very, very predictable. So if you know what these costs are going to be, the returns are going to be much, much more predictable too, right? So very different than multifamily, you know, like COVID, for instance, net lease properties, they thrived in COVID. They were, they did phenomenal in COVID, right? Multifamily, some multifamilies had problems, right? Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, because again, it's it's really indicative of where we are in the economic cycle today, right? These types of businesses that I'm talking about, you have your fast food joints, you have your Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Advanced Auto Parts. When someone's losing their job or they're, they're tight on cash, they're not going to go out and buy a brand new car. Right. They're going to go to Advanced Auto Parts and they're going to buy a new alternator, take well, it home. Well, and- see, that was that was a question that was coming to my mind right now was because we've heard so much in the news throughout the pandemic and even after, you know, that that retail has just taken a crap kicking. You know, we've got Bed Bath & Beyond, which is, you know, verging on the on the edge of bankruptcy kind of thing and these different, you know, big box stores. So you're really, really picky about the kind of business that's in these properties pre-existing. You want to make sure that you're that you're buying a property that's got a recession resistant, recession proof type business in it. Is is that what I'm hearing? Is Precisely. Yeah. Think of it like like there's got to be an element of it being Amazon proof or Walmart yeah. proof, right? That's like, for instance, if your alternator blows up on your car and you're and you like to work on cars, so you have all the tools, you have a space, you're not going to order an alternator from Amazon and wait 24 hours. Right. I need my car right now. I'm going to go down to the advanced auto parts. They have it in stock. I'll go get it and install it. I have it done in 45 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of scenario. The, the people that go to these types of places, they need it right now, usually, usually, yeah. right? No, so, and same the, with a dollar store type place, dollar tree type place here. Exactly. You know, folks, that, that's kind of an impulse purchase or what have you just drop in. They're, they're pretty recession resistant. Yeah, that sounds or, good. 
or yep. food and, or fast food too. You know, you right. can't order fast food from Amazon. You know, if you're usually for people are going to roll into a McDonald's, grab a meal and go on their way and then go into the office or whatever they're doing. Right. So it's, it's those types of very, very specific business. So like I said, in the green room, right. The, the assets that we're looking to buy yeah. are recession resistant, so to speak, but they're, but they're also corporate backed. So we're not getting like just some random hair salon or some, some rando business that doesn't have any scale, like mm-hmm. nothing wrong with those guys. I don't hate them. It's just, just not what we're buying. We're, we only right. buy companies and leases that have these corporate backed guarantees. That's what we want because we want to make sure that we can provide our investors a good, healthy return and not have to worry about Dollar General going out of business. They're not going to go out of business tomorrow. Well, I mean, so I'm, not, I'm not a fortune another, teller, that, but I'll see. That brings up another question here, Augustino. So you're looking for these kind of primo type properties. Isn't there a lot of competition for these kind of properties? Wouldn't the the big guys, the REITs and and retirement funds and and those kind of things be looking for these kind of properties to to buy in moss and 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 then kind of lower the returns for you and your investors there are and i would also add though that i mean there's a lot of these deals out there i mean mm. a lot you just i, I imagine like in a, in a single day just drive around for half an hour you'll probably drive by uh, hundreds of these types of locations right yeah. the the issue though is that as of right now the cost of money has, as you know, escalated. It's very tough to find good deals. It is, it's true. Typically those big REITs, the big boys are looking for a different type of, of cost, so to speak, right? They're looking to spend more money on the deal. Right. So it depends on the deal. Depends on It depends on a lot of things of location. If it's a secondary, tertiary market, primary market, there's certain places that we avoid. There's certain places those guys like. like we typically avoid blue states. I'm not getting political, but we all know blue states have a lot of red tape and we try right. to stay away from that. Higher taxes, people don't want to be there. So we try to go to areas that the asset could, could thrive. So we, there's a great deal of selection, but there's a lot of inventory but a lot of it comes back to the old multifamily game of having broker relationships. Mm-hmm. You have to, that took a that Hey, listen, that took a while for us to really build. I mean, it's just, you don't just go in and start buying these things. It takes a while to like build the broker relationships. You have to have the cash available. You have to, you have to have the lending available if you're using lending and you have to make sure that they'll, they'll pull through and they won't leave you at the altar and actually right. perform. So you're right. There's a lot of competition, but a great deal of it comes in our ability to show that we can actually close. That's a real big part of it. So fortunately, we have a very good track record on our other parts of the business, and we've been able to execute every single time. Like We have never walked away from a deal, ever. So, you know? so what, what kind of lengths of leases are you typically looking at in these kind of properties? That's a fascinating idea. Hold that thought for a second. Hi there, this is Dave DeBow, and real estate investors hire me to raise capital the right way. Why? Because most of them are stuck with too small of a portfolio, and they don't know how to attract investors and raise money for their deals. So I help them to connect, capture, and close their ideal money partners. Bottom line, when you've got a deal, you're going to have the capital to do it. So go ahead and book a no-cost capital clarity session with me at bookachatwithdave.com. Again, that's book at chatwithdave.com. That's a good question. So what we typically do is a strategy called blend and extend, right? Mm-hmm. So under normal circumstances, the deals that you're probably thinking about are like, say, a brand new or somewhat maybe two, three-year-old Dollar General that still has maybe 10 to 15 years left on the lease. 
those types of deals, even today, are probably trading at a six and a half cap. Okay, not bad. Wow. However, what we're trying to target these days is a fairly healthy return, a healthier return. We need, we need, we're looking for a little bit higher number. So therefore, what we typically do is we're using this blend and extend model, right? What that means is, is that there might be like say two, three, four years left on a lease. Yeah. But we're fairly, we're very, very confident that they're going to stick around. You know, maybe we have a few conversations with the folks at the at the the branch. At the headquarters, we look at the vehicles per day. We look at a bunch of other demographics in the local area, and we're and once we get once we get comfortable in understanding that yes, they're going to be around. They've had a great deal of success. Store sales are X. You know, we we know, for instance, we have a technology that'll tell us how many people go into that location every single day. We know, yeah. right? So. Yeah. If it, if it has is, high is, is that a technology? Is somebody sitting there counting them on a clicker? <laughs> it's these things right here, these cell phones. That's how they know, man. Wow. That's how they know. So all of the all the big boys, AT&T, Verizon, all those guys, they sell this data, mm. location data to these these private companies and they report back to say where like who's going into a certain location. So we all take our phones all the time. So your phones everywhere the, you go, yeah. right? Yeah, but we also but what we do is we look at the competitive stores that are nearby. How many people are they getting in there? How many people right. is, is the subject store getting in? So we put a great deal of, of of thought behind it, and we also think about what's the worst case scenario. Let's say, for mm-hmm. instance, you know what, they pull out. Great. Well, if we if we're comfortable that the vehicles per day is strong, the asset is a good location, we still own the real estate. We own the real estate. So right. for us to take it and repurpose it into something else. It's it's certainly an option as well. Certainly, we're not looking to do that. But if we ever had by, to, by repurposing, you mean getting a different tenant in get there a different tenant in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing is, though, it's like Dollar General, Dollar Tree, for instance. They average about nine thousand square feet, right? Mm-hmm. So typically, we're trying to find that type of that type of location, right? Mm-hmm. And they they usually go up, but they never go down. Meaning, you, you might have seen a Dollar General go into or yeah, or a Dollar Tree rather go into an old CVS location. Right, but they'll never go from a CVS location back into a smaller, a smaller okay, uh, yeah. unit. Right, so uh, you have to consider all these different things, like how what are their vacancies in the area. So there's a great deal of thought that goes so into what I, what I was going to ask you, Agustino, with this is let's say you get a property that's got two years left on its lease. You're pretty comfortable that the tenant's going to continue with a new lease after that. How how does it typically work? Just big broad strokes for that new lease, like. Are you setting the, are you bumping up the rent significantly typically at that time? Or is it kind of a gradual continuation? How long does the new lease go for typically? How does that kind of look? The lease says everything, meaning some stores, I don't want to throw out any names here. They've been doing, they were doing a flat, no rental increases for 15 years. Wow. I would never do those deals, by the no. way. I wouldn't. I just it just doesn't make any sense because, especially now, like we printed off trillions of dollars over the past over the past two years, three years now, the, the price, of the value continues to go down, or the value of the, of the dollar continues to go down. So you have inflationary pressures, and you're gonna, taxes are going to go up. I would never do that deal, right? So it depends on, on the lease, right? Sometimes there's most times there's a provision to bump up the the cost or bump up the uh, the rent. every year, every two years. It depends. It just depends, right? 
if and those guys have good negotiators, right? And some some of some of these stores, like I think it's Dollar General, they're very 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 hard nosed about how they they negotiate their stuff. Yeah, their margins uh, are pretty thin, so they have their to margins be pretty, are pretty thin to begin yeah. with, right? So some of these guys are are tough, and there's also no guarantee, by the way, that let's say they do stay in that location, that they're going to continue. They're going to say, okay, great, now we want to renegotiate our lease. And now this is what we're going to pay. That certainly can happen too, right? So the brokers will never tell you that, but it can happen. So the ability to back up your data or back up your what you're saying with data, like the way that we do, is very, very important when you're negotiating that because it becomes a brand new negotiation with a brand new lease, right? Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to be able to back it up. So is it typically kind of continuing on with the previous lease that they have, perhaps at a new price point type thing or? Or what have you seen in your experience? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. So, so if you think about a, a timeline, right? The if you're starting at zero, has a lower cap rate, but as you go on and on towards the end of the lease, the cap rate continues going up. I don't right. usually, I never talk about cap rate when it comes to multifamily. I think it's stupid because all cap rate truly is in the world of multifamily is an indication of where the asset's located and the level of risk you're taking on acquiring that asset. Certainly it's a mathematical equation. I get it, but I never make a decision just based on cap rate. When it comes to net lease, it's a little different. Cap rate becomes very important, right? Because the cap rate will tell you at least initially Mm -hmm. how much the cost of the asset is, and then you know how much the cost of debt is. And if if there's not enough margin between the two, you, you can't do the deal, you know? Right. So there's stuff that's trading right now in like California. They're still trying to sell this stuff at a 3.2 cap. Hmm. How? It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. you can't do it. Like not you're even, you're, money. Yeah. you're losing money on the deal. Even for someone that pays all cash for those deals, which people do, by the way, they'll, they'll just buy like Dollar General, like a whole, like the whole location in California for like $4 million, depending on the size, of course. And they'll lose money on the deal. I don't know who would do that, but People do, I guess. I mean, otherwise, mm-hmm. we'd be selling it. But then again, I think they're, what they're looking to do is to get someone on the hook so they can negotiate. That's what they're looking to do, right? Right. Oh, fascinating stuff. Agostino, time always flies when we're having fun. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to in your podcast, where should they go? Bulletproofcashflow.com. Certainly go to the website. You can also check us out on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. or We're even on TikTok. Can you believe wow. that? Although I do not do any dancing on TikTok. Well, I was going to ask, how's your dancing skills? <laughs> Very poor. However, I do talk about making money. I think that's that's something that people ought to be doing right now. <laughs> nice. All right, my friend. We'll make sure we got all that in the show notes. And thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for having me on. All right, everybody. Take care. See you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.